this is the I Read Comic Books podcast here for a very special mini-sode. You know, we're continuing down the forever journey train that is the Ice Cream Man series. I'm here with the one and only Nick White. Hey. Nick, I'm very excited to get into this. We're here to talk about Ice Cream Man Volume 5, so full spoilers ahead. If you haven't read Ice Cream Man Volume 5, make sure to hit pause. Go check that out. Come back to the episode. Let us know what you think. We've been we've been doing this Ice Cream Man series for a while now, Nick, and it seems like every time I think that this book can't get weirder, it decides to throw something strange at me. And I think this volume, you know, perfect example of that. We just did Quarantine Comics not too long ago, and it's in terms of release schedules and stuff, like the first two issues of this volume had come out, then the Quarantine Comics special came out, and then the last two came out, and then it was collected. So, like, we kind of did things a little out of order. But to stick with our regular schedule of like, you know, one volume or one specific instance per per episode uh, or mini-sode, we're, we're back again. So uh, I guess let's get things started. What's uh, what's your thoughts? What's your overall thoughts on this volume? I mean, considering the general tone of this book, maybe it's not an earth-shattering statement to be like, the tone of this volume is just overwhelmingly dark. Um, <laughs> more so than previous volumes, but it's I, yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. It it honestly, it's not like this book isn't normally really dark, but this volume feels really really dark. And and maybe that's because quarantine comics actually kind of had some stories that weren't that dark. Like remember the one about the convention where it's like all these guys, and I forget. If they were all named, it was like Mark or Mike. something like that. Mike. It was Mike. Okay. Yeah. I was, oh, that's right. Because yeah. it was Mike from New Jersey. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, that's right. And like that story was kind of whimsical and weird and, yeah. and, but interesting. And, and, and then you had also had like the story about, um, the two guys that were like getting chasing, fighting and each other, getting and murdered get by plants. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. dark, but it's like no darker than any, any 80s horror film, right? Yeah, or or the one about like the dentist, right? Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. and and maybe it was just because like quarantine comics was existing within the backdrop of COVID, and so maybe W. Maxwell Prince was like like the backdrop of this is COVID. Maybe I don't need to turn the dark shit up to eleven, and maybe that's sure. why it didn't. So, but even when I put this volume up against my memory of past volumes which I obviously read a while ago, um, this still feels tonally darker than the rest. Yeah, um, yeah, I 100% agree with that. It feels like it doesn't let up. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because I think, you know, of, of the issues in this volume, you know, like Cape Fear issue 17, you know, it's the Superman confection comics, you know, tie-in thing. Um, and then there's Watches It All Received, which is probably one of the darkest stories I've ever read um, in yeah. this series. Uh, you get the haunting for beginners, which has some dark moments, um, it, with the exception of like my overall thoughts that issue that I want to get into, and then for kids, which is just to me traditional ice cream man's back at it again. But I think opening with, I, I think like really eight issue eighteen and kind of the idea that I get from nineteen really puts this series in an extremely dark, like not in like a horror movie sense, like space, but instead of like these are the harsh realities of life. And you have to come to grips with them by reading this comic. Um, is I think that's what you're getting at here with this volume, right? And and we've seen this before, but there there have been more than enough issues that are like 
hey, um, either a life sucks period, whether or not ice cream man is involved in it or B um, life sucks period. And you didn't know it, but ice cream man may or may not be behind some of it. Mm -hmm. And I think you, it kind of goes back and forth on both. We've certainly seen moments in ice cream man where ice cream man himself is basically like, you know, I don't have to be the villain in this situation. I don't have to be the evildoer. Like I'm just going to sit back and watch because y'all are terrible to begin with Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and we've had these moments where he's literally just an observer i think we saw some of this even in the quarantine comics where it's like things are terrible enough i don't even i don't even need to do a job yeah doesn't need to influence it yeah yeah that would be that would be my my sort of thoughts on that yeah well i mean let's let's get into each of the issues of this right because i feel like we've done a pretty good job in the past of kind of breaking down the stories issue by issue to try to find all the the little pieces and parts of this series that ties together in some capacity and you know we may be fools in trying to draw some sort of conclusive overarching narration or narrative to this thing but Mm -hmm. uh god damn it we're gonna keep trying because something has to make sense there there were sprinkles of it in previous volumes so there better damn well be events future sprinkles you know nice nice use of sprinkles yeah yeah th- i mean listen i'm pretty clever all right so uh yeah. <laughs> um, there's the up. episode title i'm pretty clever yeah getting into this though issue 17 cape fear this is the confection comics we saw a little bit of this in the quarantine comics which i thought was really out of left field having not read this issue before this is the problem with reading in trades sometimes you read a one-off special that's not collected in an edition some things don't make sense so seeing you know this side character pinky ring get it's his own little weird story where he hates dentists question mark it makes a little bit more sense with the context of oh there's a superman oh there is a character that you know exists he's ice cream man he is the superman and anal word that i'm trying to say analog there and you know we also have this cal newport or cal something i can't remember what his name is who is the caleb you know parallel which i think is really interesting i i like this this push that i feel like it's not the first time we've heard this in in ice cream man stories but like this idea of we're all one thing compared to ice cream man's everything is separate everything is little bugs and pieces and micro things um he and he loves the chaos whereas caleb is of, about unity and i like that they they took that idea of lex luther versus super superman and tried to you know paint it onto the ice cream man and caleb in this story and uh yeah but this but this issue is wild it you know, takes the Superman trope and does what I think even DC Comics has done on its own. When Superman goes bad, um, what happens? And what does his, you know, Fortress of Solitude look like? And what kind of fucked up things could he do? Did Mark Miller write this? Or did Frank Miller write this? Yeah. Or Grant Morrison <laughs> on like a wild day decide to do a one-off about a murderous Superman, you know? So it, it's interesting to see someone try to tackle that, but then weave it back into the world that we know of Ice Cream Man. I don't know. I What are, what are your thoughts on this issue? Coming back to reading this series again, and I think I'd noticed some of this before, but I would definitely encourage readers to do this in the future. Um, Don't hesitate to check out the opening credits page for the issues of this book. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. There's always some interesting little details there. Um, Obviously, the issue has sort of a a little subtitle there. Like in this case, it's Cape Fear, kind of clever. And then on the email line, um, where it says email W. Maxwell Prince, that changes from issue to issue, the little introductory sentence. So in this one, it says, has your personal hero let you down? Email W. Maxwell Prince. So that little (laughs) intro line, that changes every single month. 
Um, and then at the very bottom of this page, it says author and artist note, this whole issue is more or less quote unquote after all-star Superman by Morrison and quietly yeah. both lovingly and not, which is kind of an interesting little thing to say as someone who read all-star Superman, not totally paying attention a very long time ago. Yeah. Same. But uh, I mean, the, the, the one tie back that is clear is, you know, the girl standing on the edge of the building. And oh, of absolutely. course, ice, that was my, ice cream my man doesn't, doesn't care. And so like, he's obviously not saving people and he's not doing things. He's only doing things to, to better himself and to try to, sleep with this lois lane like parallel parker page yeah parker page yeah thank you um but i mean you know it's it's there like the whole lickety split things in the story you know the whole like the jimmy olsen character keeps saying lickety split like oh my god guy <laughs> yeah it's, it's pretty wild and, and you know caleb's whole thing in this or cal in this in the story you know is that this is all in your head like he's telling to tell uh what parker page you said her name was that this is all in her head and i i really tried to take a, that idea and run with it in my head. But again, I don't want to completely interrupt you because I've got theories about this whole issue um, and the whole Ice Cream Man universe based on this one. So um, continue with your notes and we can we can talk more. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Clearly, there's a Superman um, sort of comparison being done here. Parker Page is clearly bent to be Lois Lane. Rick Sweet, Superman, Metropolis becomes Ur- Urbanopolis. And Cal Cantor is Lex Luthor. Yeah, and I didn't necessarily go. think of him as a Caleb analog. So it's interesting that you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe part of that struggle is just because I was so used to seeing Caleb uh, with a hat, <laughs> which is interesting <laughs> because Caleb sort of is wearing the hat in my idea. Um, when the editor of the Daily World newspaper is showing up the headline of the newspaper Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says one man to save us all. I- Ice cream man is punching this this uh, person with a really tall looking like a 10 gallon hat, which apparently is a cowboy robot. And I was like, oh, right. Like, clearly, that's supposed to be. But those are created by Cal, right? Oh, oh, right. It says the guy's got a zillion dollars and this is what he comes up with. Oh, right. right. It says it's another one of Cal's harebrained schemes. Yep, absolutely. No. So I'd, I'd completely agree with that. So that makes sense. That makes sense that he's Cal. Cal is making robots that look like Caleb looks mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, beyond that, uh, I think we sort of uh, what else do we have here? When we sort of kick things off, we sort of follow Parker Page for a little bit as she grows up. We sort of see the prevalence of Ice Cream Man there. You can see it in when she's in journalism school and the kid next to her is wearing the Ice Cream Man sweater we can see it when she's sitting in front of her computer. And while it's cut off, you can see the instead of the glowing Apple symbol, it's the glowing. I mean, it's it's an upside down triangle, but we know at this point that it's basically the ice cream cone. And that's right. clearly right. what it is. We've seen that in, in previous issues, I think. Right. It's sort of a more modern, more recent iconography for it. Yeah. I mean, but but this kind of speaks to the pervasiveness, right, of of yep. the ice cream man in general, right? It's not that he's in your face as this guy serving ice cream, it's that he's embedded in everything and everyone. Which which kind of brings me to the other point that I have, but again, I if wrap up your thoughts and we can get to my my conspiracy theory about this series. No, 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 go ahead. I'm I'm interested. We'll we'll, I, we'll jump back. We'll double yeah, back. Yeah, so you know, the whole the whole thing that I think Cal Newport, I keep saying Cal Newport, I don't know where that's coming from. <laughs> uh, Cal Cantor is saying uh, to 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 Parker is that, you know, this is all in your head. Like he did this. He's doing this to you. 
um you know like uh salvations on all of us parker we're all connected everything and i think there's there's this idea that ice cream man has created this fake world right and at the end of the issue you know she's been in a coma for three years which kind of begs like more of the crazier issues of this series are they just people in dream states and i think you look at a lot of things like the very early on that rock star um issue where it's about the guy who gets the dream like is this just him dreaming is he just sick is he just in a bed is has has ice cream man just taken over his conscious mind to create this mindscape and is the idea of this whole series about like the wonders and awfulness of like a, a demon who can just play with your mind in the same way that maybe cal or caleb can fix things ice cream man is there to destroy things and it's not about like the actual physicality of the things that he's doing so much as just playing with the energy that your mind is it exerts because it's under a fear state this is where my mind is going with the whole series is like is this all just a a ploy on this idea if we're trying to find a narrative to this where ice cream man is just trying to take over as many minds as possible to create all of their worst fears in order to gain something and my thought is is it's power you know there's clearly some sort of power struggle happening between caleb and ice cream man or this rick you know that we know him to be so what what can ice cream man do to gain more power to overwhelm caleb or is it a forever yin and yang kind of situation where one balances out the other i don't know that that's like me going way down the rabbit hole with this but that's that's where i keep going with it every time we see issues like this well and i know that we had discussed in the past that maybe the reason things were getting so very much out of hand and just tonally overwhelmingly dark was that the balance between the two had been upset um with the events at the end of like volume two and that there Mm -hmm. is no balance anymore it it doesn't exist it's just ice cream man Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which sort of begs the question of like well then how do we feel about um the idea that like cal Cantor is alive like is this an alternate universe is this um is this just a fictional thing that we're not supposed to read into um too much because i could swear at some point the city in Ice Cream Man is possibly named, and I am pretty sure it's not where this is. Like, I wonder if this if I wonder if this narrative exists within Ice Cream Man canon, or if this is just a weird offshoot. <laughs> that, you know what I mean? Like, is yeah, this... I, I totally get. But then we're now we're starting to tear apart like things to the point where it's like, could every story oh. be its own universe? You oh, know? sure. And like, but obviously that's not the case because we keep seeing these common things, common characters. You know, that song keeps getting brought up throughout each of the volumes. There's at least like one rocking all the time it. or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And yeah. so it, it it's it's definitely taking place in a shared universe in terms of that but you know stuff like this these one-off issues with the confection comics is this a narrative within the actual world right like a quentin tarantino style universe where kill bill is a movie that takes place in the universe where hitler didn't die or hitler died by the you know inglorious bastards and that's why pulp fiction's so weird and la's all fucked up like is it something like that i i am curious to know i mean or is that just a fictional world inside the mind of uh parker page and this is just a one-off story of ice cream man's influence on the world and there is a you know daily planet but there's no superhero right um or not daily planet whatever the their thing was called but yeah i don't know everyday world i don't know i don't know it's 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 a lot of like what ifs and all this other stuff (laughs) and somebody out there is probably saying you guys just got to roll with these things none of this matters but like it does matter so shut up 
if you're saying that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I mean, yeah, it, maybe it's not worth getting hyper granular and just saying like, where does this or how does this contribute to like our overall feelings and, and, and stance on, on ice cream man and sort of his tactics and what he does. And, and we certainly see more than enough like repeated imagery than we've seen, you know, that we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have the dog and the straight jacket. Um, we have the guitar, uh, when we go to his Fortress of Solitude, which has some other stupid name because, of course, everything. Uh, sorry, it's called his Isolation, Isolation Palace, Palace, which <laughs> sounds terrifying. <laughs> Good God. Well, he's got the Ark ship from, like, the big space Is thing the- where he left Caleb on the planet. Like, yeah. that's. I was going to ask you, isn't that the one from when those astronauts went to wherever and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. things went real interesting? And he's got... um. He's got the guitar from like rocking all the time, I think. Mm-hmm. And the dog looks like it might be one of those weird wolf people that we've seen a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to make of the I don't know what to make of the jacket. So if you know, I I wonder if that's Caleb's jacket because the guy always wore black. I don't know that that might be a bit of a stretch, but um. Yeah, like all of these these little artifacts exist in the story. Like he's clearly, you know, W. Maxwell Prince, Martin Morazzo, they're clearly trying to like convey that that these things are connected in some capacity, right? Like whether they're representations of because clearly it looks to me like these are all representations of Ice Cream Man's triumphs where he's done something that he is proud of, you know? Yeah. And he defeated Caleb. Well, doesn't it in... sort of look like the bubble city or whatever that like uh, what Brainiac does where he yeah. puts everything in a yeah you know yeah and i know you're you're totally right i mean like it's these are but again these are his trophies like these are the same thing that you know batman would have in his cave you know like behind or under glass just to show like oh this is the time i defeated you know the riddler and blah 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 so um and yeah you could even i don't know there's again we can we could analyze every page of this but like this issue is interesting because it is a fiction in my mind i think it's a fiction inside of the actual world of the ice cream man universe but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's I, I think you could probably spend forever on trying to figure out like if this is some sort of his his own fantasy on how events stack up or if this is sort of a play on the idea that like comic books have imprints of other comics. And so the confection comics is an imprint off of the main book or if if what if what if what if confection comics is a real comic within the ice cream man universe. Yeah. Yeah. That's what and I'm this is. At. This is one. of Okay. Yeah. And that yeah. this is one of the stories. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean we even get so stuff like in the epilogue, like there, there goes your life, you know, as a, as a reference to the previous issue where that was a thing. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, maybe this is just them saying like, Hey, let's do an homage to some of the more famous, you know, <laughs> superhero stuff within our universe. How could we make it work? Um, but because obviously daredevil, Batman, Superman, they tie in all this stuff. But I guess I, we should we should move on because we could again we could spend a ton of time analyzing every single one of these issues. What about uh the, the next issue, issue eighteen? This is watch as it all recedes. Uh, my only notes for this are fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> what did god. you think of this one? Like, whew. I, I for me this was just another one of those issues where it's sort of like ice cream man, whether it's it's spoken or not, and I don't think it really is. Is like. I don't have to do anything mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. 
bad shit is already happening. I don't have to do anything. So yeah, this one's called Watches It All Recedes, and the little byline is, what's your favorite memory? Email W. Maxwell Prince, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. In this issue, we've obviously got Sky, and he's in a hospital bed, and he seems to just not, he seems to be struggling to, you know, recall memories and 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 moments. And I, the lettering in this issue, the lettering and the scripting of the lettering, I assume, were just fantastically done just mm-hmm. there's weird offset spacing between words some words are randomly bolded uh this narrative that this man is is going through sometimes he sort of has to ask himself oh what's the word oh that's the word and then it repeats the word or it almost turns into like a um mad libs where there are sort of like mm. fill in the blanks where he starts yeah. to create fill in the blanks where he can't think of the word and then has to come back to it. Just like really well done. I think in terms of sort of creating that struggle of, of remembering things, this guy of course is convinced that this creature uh, is, is stealing his memories. And I think we've seen this little guy before, right? I, yeah, I felt I, like we'd seen this guy before. I, I, and this is this is one of those things where like we go so so much time between reading volumes that I'm like, I need to like reread this entire series every time we're gonna do a sit yeah. down because I'm yeah. like, uh, because yeah, I think that I think this character isn't isn't new, but this is the first time we've seen him like erasing memories like this, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and, and you know the, this volume the, this issue is is wild because it's like we're getting his own narrative, we're getting you know this man like basically losing memories in real time, which to me is like absolutely depressing and dark like if we're talking about the darkness of this series and like what lengths will maxwell prince go to try to actually fuck us up i mean this one is absolutely devastating not in like a what you see on these pages will shock you but from a this is what happens to people and it is extremely sad yeah and and to think that it's a goblin like this thing that is is actively intentionally trying to remove things from his mind is is just appalling right and i mean whether or not that's the case it's still like this guy rationalizing his memory loss in real time as his brain slowly loses memories which is just awful yeah it's sort of shows us these different memories uh, him as a kid him as an, an adult um him and like as like a teenager playing baseball and throughout all of these memories this little goblin thing that sort of looks like freddy freaker um <laughs> sh- yeah. shows up and um you know taps these people in his memories and they turn into this sort of like glowing white outline of themselves and they're gone but there are other instances where you can sort of see that things are definitely wrong when he's a kid uh and his sister is reading uh well it says blank on the book (laughs) right yeah i guess he doesn't really just he doesn't he, he he can't even remember if it's a sister cousin or a friend but this girl Anne is there and she's reading a book but the book's cover is blank. Uh, And there's another moment where it shows him with his family when he's an adult and they're looking at a map in the car and there's nothing on the map. Um, Oh, I didn't even see that. I mean, like, and this is, this is where it's more than just like the guy's stuttering over his words that is showing that the lack of, 
of anything, right? It's it's that he's losing memory visually. He's losing memory like just the words to describe his own thoughts. Um, I thought that was that's pretty smart, pretty well, pretty well done. It really is. We we see all these scenes where um, we see him, you know, growing up, becoming an adult, having a family having some struggles with his family, which then interplay into a lot of the modern day scenes where both his daughter uh, and his son come to visit him. The son clearly having a much worse relationship. uh, And we obviously don't hear about the wife because we know that she died at one point. Um, But yeah, the, the way that the memories subtly shift is just really interesting. I'm, I'm just seeing now as well um, when we have the argument uh, with the family where the wife is leaving with the kids, um, the pictures, uh, the picture frames in the house mm. don't have pictures in them. The, oh, yeah. When he puts the beer, do you, I don't know if you notice when he puts the bottle of beer to his mouth, it says beer. And in the next panel, it's suddenly bourbon. Mm-hmm. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that's meant to show, maybe it's meant to show the passage of. No, it's not meant to show the passage of time because in the first panel before it says beer, the first panel where the wife is confronting him, it's a green bottle. Then mm-hmm. it says beer. In the next panel, it says bourbon. And then she's leaving. And it's literally now it's a brown bottle. Yeah. So just these very weird, just ever-changing memories, just these subtle ways of showing that like nothing is being retained or even the things that are being retained are shifting. So it's like, well, I don't even know if, you know, the things I thought were X are actually Y. So, mm-hmm. and you know, you have, like I said, you have the son and the, and the, and the daughter show up and she's getting ready to have a kid. And she's nervous that like, she's going to screw things up like he did with them. And the son clearly has some, some issues as well. Yeah. Um, so it's just a, just a really bleak issue. And, and, and ultimately he says that, you know, this, this gremlin, this little gremlin is behind all of this. Right. I mean, and the, the thing that, that gets me about this issue and similar with the next issue is that it seems like there is a release, right? This is, and this is maybe W Maxwell Prince processing some sort of grief, maybe of, um, you know, the thing that I, that comes to be common between this issue and the next one is that like when these people die, it seems like they are at peace. Right. And maybe, you know, that's that's what a lot of people believe outside of this comic book um you know that when people you know leave this this mortal coil they they are at peace in some capacity and you know the end of this issue ends with this guy saying you know at least i was half person a person who lived life and perhaps once felt the sweet light of breath the sun how lucky me to have been which maybe even is kind of antithetical to everything that ice cream man is trying to to try to push not not the story itself but the character that like life is awful, everything's chaos, and you might as well be dead. Um, whereas this guy, just not being able to remember anything because this goblin has erased everything from him, is able to at least be at peace and be happy in some capacity in death. Um, which is, I mean, I guess nice in some way, but it's fucking dark the entire buildup. Um, so I don't know. That's that's my thought on it, at least. It, it almost could like just not be an ice cream man issue in some ways i think Mm -hmm. it helps because like god i don't know how many people would like read this book sight on scene i i think i think the fact that it's an ice cream man book 
sort of comes with like a baked in tolerance for darker things, weightier things, heavier things. And so Mm -hmm. at least people know that because it's an ice cream man issue, some of those things might come up. Um, And of course we can debate whether or how much of this is, is ice cream man related because we've seen this creature before, but yeah, I, I, I think the ending of him just sort of reflecting and saying like, you know, maybe I don't, maybe I don't really remember all the details and maybe the things I remember I don't have right. But, you know, uh, despite me forgetting everyone else, like I know that I, I, I was a person, I existed and, and maybe that, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that regard. And I think that maybe that is sort of a weird little upbeat ending to go with. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking for anything to come up off of base, you know, off of the story. Yeah. But uh, it's a yeah, tough one. Yeah, definitely. And again, like you said, th- could this have not been an ice cream man story? Sure. But I think some of the elements allow it to create, keep that like strangeness, you know, with the goblin and like kind of the hallucinatory ending um, that, that makes this whole thing work. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely sad and dark and uh, boy, oh boy, or sad and bleak, whatever you want to say. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hello there. My name is Dennis, otherwise known as the world's most okayest DM. I am one of the creators over at Botched, a D&D podcast. It's basically an improv comedy show that involves drinking and draped in the loose, rotting skin of Dungeons & Dragons. But that's not what I'm here to talk to you about. Right now, I have my first ever comic book Kickstarter. Uh, it's for my project, Lycan Solomon's Odyssey. It is the story of the world's first werewolf. A mix of mythology, folklore, and a little sprinkling of history. Our story follows Solomon and his trials and tribulations. This is a luminous, fully illustrated 60-page graphic novel, the first in an ongoing series spanning across the ages. If you're interested in backing the Kickstarter, just look for Lycan Solomon's Odyssey on Kickstarter, or you can go to www.hiveheadstudios.com or www.lycanbook.com, or because I have some really crazy patrons over at Botched Podcast, you can search for clockfox.net. Why? I don't know. But these are all the ways you can find it. If you do decide to support the Kickstarter, know that you will always hold a special place in my heart, and I will appreciate it always. I will say, like, if we're going to put on the tinfoil hat over the tinfoil hat over the tinfoil hat, uh-huh. this is a weird thing I've noticed with a couple, a couple issues, specifically in this volume. I don't know what to make of this. Maybe this is me reading in way too far. But if you look at some of the panels, and I think this is like a TV in the wall. There's like a TV in his hospital bed in mm-hmm. his room. And it's got like this weird sort of reflection on it that almost looks like a doorway opening sort mm-hmm. of and letting light in. This weird little image of sort of like this crack and then the light coming in or this sort of angled breaking. This image keeps repeating. I swear I'm not losing it. If I mean, I'm seeing in, it. I'm seeing it. Yeah. The the editor for the Daily Planet or whatever it's called in issue, the issue before this, he has paintings on his walls that look just like this. So I huh. don't know. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. And I now we're at this, this level. We're at this yeah. level of the story. Okay. We're, we're there. <laughs> and I think this continues into another issue, but I'd have to double check my notes. But and I don't know what this means. I mean, <laughs> but it's interesting. It might just be I need to put a background on this thing. <laughs> It might just be this is the reflection or like the angle of like reflected of light, light yeah. I just needed to put. Yeah. Yeah. But and I it's do, not I... me going, is this a crack of light shining through the darkness? <laughs> no, it's not. It's a reflection, you idiot. It might I, you know, Nick, um, I appreciate the attention to detail on this. Um let's yeah. let's move on to to chapter nineteen. Uh, I guess issue nineteen of this series, uh Ice Cream Man Haunting for Beginners. This is I I think this is probably one of the most interesting like ways to tell a little comic story um, that oh, I've totally. seen in a while. I think this is this works as a really dark, of course, but interesting yeah. like one shot. I I think I could hand this to someone and they would go, "That is the craziest little comic I've ever seen." Um, I feel like the- every volume has one really let's get experimental issue. Like yeah. every volume has Absolutely. one let's just shoot for something different and this volumes issue is this one 100 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um i mean i i thought that you know overall this is a pretty straightforward just like little little weird story you know the ice cream man tie-in is that that there's an ice cream like cake or something that ice cream that, that people eat um called rick's and uh but otherwise it's just a little weird story about a kid who feels invisible sees something awful has to live his life with it and then dies <laughs> I'm like, holy shit! Like I, I, I realize that this is a very standard thing that happens to damn near everyone. Um, where you live a life, you see some shit, and then you have to live with that shit, and then you die. But to see it illustrated like this in a story that's kind of like a step by step process takes away all of the whimsy of life, and it makes it so, so just generic. I don't know. That's for me. That's that's really unsettling. And of course, the kid sees a guy die, and yada yada yada. But. I think the the straightforwardness of you live your life invisible and then you die and maybe no one sees you is kind of fucking dark as shit. <laughs> what was your take on this issue, Nick? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think it's it's interesting because you you have this person who begins by like becoming a ghost, right? He 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 has to become one. He he wants to become one, right? Like he wants to be this mm-hmm. invisible thing. Because remember, he has to keep telling himself uh, through all the panels, you know, you are a ghost. You are a ghost. Uh Don't forget, you are a ghost. And it's sort of like role playing for him, right? Like this is a a character that he's playing. And like, don't forget, there are rules for when you're a ghost. And these are Mm -hmm. the cool things you can do. Mm -hmm. And he actively wants to be a ghost, right? Like, that's the thing. And then when he becomes an adult, he realizes that he's not a literal ghost, nor was he when he was a kid. He's not a literal ghost, but he feels like he's a literal ghost. Yeah, he like, feels invisible. And he doesn't yeah. he, exactly, and he doesn't want to be one, but he feels that's how he's being treated. And then, of course, when he gets old and dies, now you literally are a ghost. the The thing that I find interesting is that you know, there's there is a I think it uh, uh, understood feeling by all people in, in some regards of not being seen, not being witnessed, not being interacted with, being ignored, feeling I isolated. I mean, speak for yourself. You know? 
Yeah, yeah, I know. I realize. Sorry, you're a very important person, but <laughs> still, I, I think it's an interesting yeah. fact. Like, there's a moment in this issue that I found to be probably the most interesting, where he's walking in the grocery store, and there. Yep, that's the one know, for me too. Yep. He walks up to the edge of the counter and he says, "I'm here. I'm next. I'm standing right here in front of you." Like, that's such a such a terrifying feeling is especially with this idea that oh you've spent your life as a ghost you you are invisible i mean there are fucking songs that are written after about this kind of stuff you know yeah and the, the fact that he experienced this moment where it seemed like someone didn't see him as if he was invisible as invisible as he feels ultimately very terrifying i think to, that, that idea that you could be lost among you know humans and lost among people um and not be seen is is it's like a psychological horror that I think is delivered so well in this issue um, with the whole six panel grid that they do on every single page to make it look more like an instruction manual. Um, I thought that that was like a, just a super powerful moment. I really like that. Yeah, no, I just, God, I love, I love, I, I don't know why. Like, it's so funny how it just keeps repeating, you know, you are a ghost. You are a mm-hmm. ghost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See your parents in repose, question your shared DNA, dream of various emancipation scenarios. <laughs> and of course, the parents are watching a show about people who disappear, quote, people disappear and no one can find them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sort of. Which I think is of, a tie know. back to the missing Parsons thing that we saw on uh, the, the TV episode that was a while back, I think two volumes ago. Um. Yeah. I. I mean. Again. And these are all just tiebacks. Rick's ice cream is at the forefront of that that page. Um. Of his as a kid. Right. And yeah. I mean. This is. This is just a. a but it's ultimately a really depressing issue. You know about this guy who lives life feeling unfulfilled, thinking that the world is just full of ghosts. He almost tries to take his own life by jumping off a roof after seeing what happened when he was younger, and then he thinks of his family and his kids. You know, as he gets older, people don't ignore him. They don't. They don't. They don't care about him. Uh. It's. It's. I don't know, messed up. I mean, people come to him when he dies, but like, it just seems like he he ends up suddenly coming to his end and, and ultimately didn't matter because the true freedom that he was looking for as a child was being an actual ghost, you know, which to me was kind of nice. It's kind of nice in a weird way. But again, it's another story about when you reach death, that is when you're truly free. That is when you're truly released, which uh, is that morbid? I don't know. Well, I think it's also the idea of like, there's nothing wrong with being a ghost if that's what you want to be right mm-hmm. so i don't think he has a problem with that as a kid and i think that's okay yeah i noticed when he visits his friend jimmy's house did you see jimmy as a poster that looks an awful lot like caleb and it says live oh i did not see that i mean this this issue also features the the, the key phrase um at the end all things are one thing you know that i think is was was huge in the first one uh, I think that is Ca- going to be Caleb's more like bigger mantra about about things to combat whatever Ice Cream Man represents, which is little bugs and squirming everything, which we see in the next issue um, when he talks to the kids, you know. Also, wouldn't this be the second time, although I guess technically now, wouldn't this be the first time that we've had kids on Halloween or not on Halloween, but dressed up like Halloween being traumatized by somebody fall- somebody else falling off of a wasn't the yes. the whole point in in quarantine comics the last issue of quarantine comics that the clown that tied into haha was up on the roof i don't remember why oh right cuz it didn't he he had the voice inside his head and it it convinced him well we need to i think what we need to do is we need to review haha we need to talk about haha next because <laughs> even though it's completely ice cream man unrelated until the last issue i think we still need to go through that because uh 
it's all together. It all, it's yeah. all one thing. Right. I, I guess my point is, isn't it weird that here's another scenario of some some kid being dressed up in Halloween clothes, being traumatized by someone falling off a yeah, I think so. Kind of, I think that happened in the first or second volume. I think it happened in the ambulance. No, no, that's yeah. The kids were traumatized by the goat by the clown jumping off the roof, and we didn't know what that was in reference right. to. And and, and then ha ha, only out. just provided the backstory. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting yeah but i mean i i honestly thought that this issue was i really enjoyed this one agree a lot yeah i thought yeah, it the, was kind of clever i mean my my big betrayal for this episode is that i already read this volume before we did this episode like significantly a long time ago like i read it back in yeah. january for some reason and i don't know why but um going back to reread this you know i thought was was fun i mean i thought the the breeding rabbits bit in this issue was was funny um, but yeah, this might there's be my favorite There's a weird fixation on rabbits with this whole issue that I don't, there's something going on there because like when, when he grows up, his kids have like toy rabbits mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like, you know, and then he meets a guy later up, that like wants to do rabbit stuff again. And it's like, what, how, like, are these cycles repeating? Is, is that maybe the point that like all, like everything repeats itself almost? I mean, now we're getting into Hickman territory. Time is a flat circle yeah. stuff. And I mean, you know, I mean, he does almost repeat himself, right? Because he literally almost come, goes off the roof in the same way that the guy went off the bridge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or like the, the clown in, the pre- in that other issue, you know, like we were just talking about. Yeah. I mean, there there's some patterns here. I feel like there's a map somewhere that we should be putting together of like all of the reoccurring bits and pieces and like, what do they all mean? Um, We'll get there, I think. Yeah. And again, there's like a peaceful ending to this, right? Like... You know, that all things are one thing. Every story is a ghost story. I, I don't know what that means. Like, and why Why is it relevant to the, or, and how is it relevant to the overall thing? I don't know. I guess let's let's dig into this last issue here where Ice Cream Man is on uh, full display of being Ice Cream Man. You know, full interaction with regular humans, just disrupting a family's life for the sake of it. And uh, of course, I think this was an excuse just to make fun of children's books, which I thought was fun. And I... I think you brought up a good point because I do believe this is really obviously the first issue is like an alternate universe or whatever, or an alternate take. And the, um, what was the second one again? I can't even think of this now. The second one was, um, the, 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 uh, you know, Alzheimer's stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's not really even in that issue at all. And in the third one, he's not even in it outside of the ice cream. So yeah, this this issue is is distinctive in that I think this is the only issue of this whole trade that shows Ice Cream Man. And if anything else, if you want to read into it too much, I think it really just goes to show you that like he doesn't have to do much anymore. He doesn't have to be active. Uh, mm-hmm. He doesn't have to be ever present. There's no reason for him to be. And yeah, Ice Cream Man, four kids, a parody in three to four parts. Uh, what did your parents read to you? Email W Maxwell Prince with a little note at the bottom that says this issue features periodic. Is that how you say that? Periodic, as in like a parody. Yeah. This yeah. issue features periodic takes on existing works. Don't sue me, the estate of Theodore Geisel. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, they definitely rip off a couple. I don't know what the first one is in reference to. I know the story, like the. In a small padded room, there was a tissue box and a boy with a balloon and a picture right. of a girl. So that's Goodnight Moon. Oh, that's yeah. Goodnight Moon. Okay. And then yeah, there's Dr. Good Night Seuss. Moon. 
Then it's the giving tree. Giving tree, yeah. Then it's green eggs and ham. Mm -hmm. And I think that covers it. Yeah. I I felt like this was the most aesthetically, narratively, the closest issue we've seen to what we used to see a lot of. Like, Mm -hmm. this reminds me a lot of volume one, volume two issues. Yeah. And I mean, we see like the reemergence of bugs and stuff being a core piece of the story. You know, the little green demon is back. Um, same with the dog in this trench coat. The kid with the uh, with the balloon is in this one as well. We've got even the Caleb's in this. In the Dr. Seuss story, he's like on the building in his big old cowboy hat. I'm just associating every cowboy hat with with Caleb at this point. But I think that's a safe assumption. And yeah, it's 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 such a weird story because it feels so so hyper focused in a small way. Yeah, you know, um, more so than any of the other stories. Um, where it's just ice cream man just fucking over this family not really messy with the kids just the parents i don't know if you noticed right. that like it's it's he's not really doing anything other than reading them kind of scary stories but with the he's obviously like killed the dad or something and he's done something to the mom that is making her do whatever he says to a certain extent even though she's somewhat resisting right yeah, it's it's a it's a really bizarre, but it, again, throwback style issue where we see just Ice Cream Man kind of just fucking about, you know. Did you notice that the little robot on in the kids' room? I'm pretty certain is meant to be one of the robots from the Superman issue when he's got all of those robotic <laughs> assistants of his in the okay. Isolation Palace or whatever. That's clearly okay. what that is. And I'm not sure if the bunny next to it is meant to be a bunny reference to the previous issue. Or I think that could be the weird. Remember, like the weird sentient thing in the, the dog face thing? issue, where they're yeah, like, "Yeah, yeah. they want to be eaten," and then the mm-hmm. things like, "No, we don't. We actually are not interested in being eaten." I yeah. think that's what that is. Yeah. But then you also have the ice cream symbol on the um, end of the bed. I mean, a lot of this is probably them just like filling up space with as many ice cream things as they can. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There is also a, a poster in the background of the kids' room where there's a guy in a big hat, and instead of live, it says read, which I thought was interesting, as I'm just combing through the issue again. But I'm wondering, like, is this is this just further proof that Ice Cream Man is still out there doing his own business, right? And, and, and while he has become extremely pervasive in the world, um, among all the things and among all the stories, like, he's still out there doing house calls. You know, still out oh, there yeah. being a nightmare to to people, especially with that last panel of this book or this vo- or issue where his face turns from like the humanoid face that we see to the demon face that we've seen in previous issues. Right. I really wonder if if this is him just re- continuing to establish the like hold on the world that he has, um, because even when the wife gets away, he, she's captured by um, St. Generous home for the mad uh, ambulance. Um like it's it's still a question of like how far does his reach go is it just this city and the suburbs within is there is there more to it um because it, you know we read these big bombastic stories about him but like how far does his reach actually go you know it only seems like he's got a huge worldwide influence when we're in someone's mind you know it's when we get out to the real world it's like he has to put his hands directly into the world to 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 feed things even if some of his ideas are pervasive enough to where like there's stickers and shirts that just say icm you know um i think that there's i don't know maybe more to this i'm just guessing i'm just i'm just throwing out ideas here because still trying to construct a narrative around this whole fucking thing nick yeah 
Well, it is interesting. I'm seeing now as well that the giving tree becomes the loving tree, which is written by Rick R. Duss. I, I mean, that'd that be Rick. Rick. Rick makes sense. Mm -hmm. So obviously he goes through telling these three different stories, which are clearly meant to be parodies of the the three stories we discussed. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the giving trees. The giving tree still has the the core conceit of like, oh, the tree is, you know, so nice and everything. And the, the boy maybe doesn't totally appreciate it and lights the tree on fire. And <laughs> and the boy says, I've got a hole in me I can never fill. I'm going to do some I'm going to do bad stuff all the time because I'm a broken person. I'll probably die before I turn 50 is my guess. Oh, my and, God. Uh, it's so it's like, so oh my blunt God. and stupid. I was like. <laughs> I was like, okay, that sounds, wow. I mean, sure. It's uh, pretty dark stuff. And like, it's it's weird because at some points you can tell like the kids are like, oh my God, we're reading stories. This is so exciting. But then I think at a certain point they're like, yeah, this is kind of bumming us out. And this is kind of weird. And also where's our dad? And and uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it is kind of interesting to see that sort of tonal shift and something's wrong with gary we don't we don't really know for sure he's bleeding he sitting on a, a chair but yeah. yeah i mean the of of the three you know the the dr seuss green eggs and ham parody it's a bit jesus a bit much Christ. for me weed laced with coke weed by laced dr. With coke. yeah <laughs> i don't know and instead of oh my god i'm seeing in the corner now like they have the little god I'm sure you're looking at it too. Like the book, normally I think in the upper right, it says I can read it all by myself, except this mm -hmm. one says I can smoke it all by myself. Of course. Of course. Oh, God. But yeah, I mean, this, this issue is, is interesting. I'm, I'm very surprised that we didn't hear any more controversy with it beyond just, I think the initial, Oh my God, that's a Dr. Seuss cover. I remember the covers for this one being crazy. Like, and I went to images site before we recorded today to look at some of the second and third printing variants. And they just kept going hard on the Dr. Seuss thing. <laughs> Which I thought I think's pretty funny. They just they just really called up their lawyers and had a really long discussion before. Like what exactly going is at it? parody? <laughs> yeah, we can do this, right? Yeah, I yeah, guess. yeah. Uh, of course, the the main character in the Doctor Seuss one is the very gremlin that we've seen for mm -hmm. the Alzheimer's issue. So that's interesting. Except they call him now, now call him a gremlin instead of a gremoloke. I don't know if you noticed as well that when they're like, would you smoke it in the Hague? And there's that building, which clearly I think is supposed to be the Hague. It's also got a man in a sort of like Western suit with a tall hat mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on top. So again, not trying to, you know, you can read any things as much as you want, but like the idea that Caleb is associated with the Hague, this building of like law and order. I think that's mm -hmm. seems like a very deliberate decision. And then it shows like everybody in that car in the desert. And I don't know if this was also supposed to be interesting, but like with the with all of the packages on top and the bundles and like it looks like it's the desert that reminded me of the also of the Alzheimer's issue where um, the whole family goes to the Grand Canyon and they're all in that station wagon packed with all of their uh, luggage. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if that was supposed to be a reference to that. That's sort of how i saw that um yeah i could see that yeah but i mean this is this is you know the issue ends with that with the woman running out to the, the thing she gets she gets picked up by the, the 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 ambulance 
I mean, it, it, this is kind of, again, a question of like, how is, is Ice Cream Man's just influence still very local? I mean, that's the thing that I'm still I'm trying to figure out. And again, I feel like you said at the beginning of the episode that we want more narrative to be driven because it doesn't seem like there has been very much in the past two volumes. But and again, this one, we didn't get it. We didn't get any further either. So I'm wondering if the, the plan is to not or maybe we just need to dive into volume six, like right after this recording. We'll see. Well, um. <laughs> it's also kind of interesting that it ends it ends on a an open it looks like it's going to end on like sort of an open ambulance, but then the, op- the ambulance closes and leaves and when we think about either volume 2 or 3, uh I believe that left us with Caleb in the back of an open ambulance that didn't seem to be going anywhere. I think because the people in front were dead or they had been killed. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, wasn't that whole issue about like he was in the back of the ambulance the whole time and the issue was from the perspective of the driver and the the paramedic and like they both went insane or something? I think that's Yeah, right. we we had seen them kind of going wild and taking drugs in a previous issue and then later when when we got Caleb's perspective of the story, he was in the back the entire time was the idea. Right. Well, I think he gets he, he gets like wheeled in as they're about to go on their joyride, but so it's interesting to see this ending with an ambulance. Yeah, yeah. Know. I mean, not an ambulance that's taking someone to a hospital. It's someone taking someone to like a mental facility, but sanitarium. Uh, yeah. yeah, sanitarium. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so overall, I mean, like, what are your, what are your final thoughts on this issue or this volume, Nick? Because, uh, man, I I feel like we got a lot of story and no answers about what's next. <laughs> but I guess I don't know what else to expect with Ice Cream Man. There was definitely some room for like some experimental issues, certainly the ghost one. We sort of had like a parody issue going on, which we've, we've kind of seen similar ones like that before, like rock and roll all the time was kind of sort of like a Beatles 60s psychedelic thing. Mm -hmm. Or like the, the crossword puzzle issue, which was kind of a whole interesting experimental thing. So there was some experimental stuff. There was some standalone stuff like the confection comics, um, but there definitely wasn't much that pushed things forward. I felt like the previous volume, this was also true, but I did feel like the previous volume was very much trying to push the idea of an ever present, uh, a world in which Ice Cream Man was like ever present. Like he was, if you look, he's here. If you look, um, or like in the, um, I, I remember distinctly this part when in the crossword puzzle issue you know the guy who was obsessed with crosswords he goes to the uh local gas station i think to get his newspaper to do the crossword and everything in the gas station is just covered in ice cream man mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all of it and we're not we don't see that much of that in this issue there's some pervasiveness but in the previous volume it was like all like anything you could consume anything like consumerism oriented right it was ice cream man so this issue kind of pulls back you know pumps the brakes on that a little and just kind of just goes to some dark places that like i said earlier sort of indicates that like ice cream man ice cream man doesn't have to do anything now is that either because life is tough enough as it is or because he's already achieved most of what he wanted or both i don't know but so it's 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 a pretty tough volume with some pretty tough issues to get through that weirdly sort of have 
a faintly upbeat ending that seems to also involve death. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, um, of of all the volumes we've read so far, I think this is probably the most like anthology of them all. You know, like in terms right. of just like being random unconnected stories that don't even have any kind of through line like we know as readers that this is ice cream man but like as far as the issues are concerned there's not like a consistent oh he's going to show up oh he's going to show up oh he's going to show up you know because i don't even think in the last volume or last issue that anyone calls him ice cream man right it's 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 said in the first one and that's it and even then it's a different ice cream man right he's a superhero versus the guy in the suit that we're used to so this one is right. it's, it's very like scattered but like in a way that you would expect an anthology series to be so i'm wondering like maybe this is just fodder for future issues not to say this doesn't matter and that that you know that the things are only getting written for fodder's sake but like i think there's some maybe some establishment here that we haven't yet to see unfold in future volumes you know yeah no that's that's totally possible and and yeah. we already know to some extent that some of this did show up in quarantine comics yeah yeah. For, for whatever that's worth so yeah it, it it'll be interesting to see you know how much of this becomes true or not with uh with volume six for sure yeah which means we we got to get on that it's got to happen soon um because i'm pretty sure at this point <laughs> volume seven is going to be out before we record for volume six so um yeah well i guess um i don't know this is this is a very interesting volume and uh i'm very excited to see what what comes next with this series so um fingers crossed i guess any any last thoughts nick before we wrap up here no i i think that pretty much describes it cool well uh remember you can always follow us all on twitter you can follow nick at death star plans you can follow me at mike rapin and you can follow the show at ircb podcast on twitter and instagram uh this episode first aired on patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons join today for exclusive series like the ircb movie club saga of saga giant days of our lives and more you can join at patreon.com slash ircb podcast and if you haven't already, please rate and review our show five stars because we deserve it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us spread the word about IRCB. Join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more and listen to our episodes as we record live. You can find that at ircbpodcast.com in our top menu. Um, it helps us a lot, though, if you would tell your friends or your local comic shop about the show. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander is the cool guy who makes us all sound cool. We can't thank him enough. Thanks to Nick for doing this episode with me. And thanks to everyone out there who listens to this IRCB and talks about it and just hangs out with us on the internet. We can't thank you enough. Until next time, though, comics are good, and so are you. <laughs>